I love pecan pie. And, and Cadillac Escalades. But I'd settle for a Yukon XL Denali. I, I'm not real fuzzy. Thank you for being here tonight. Great Monday night crowd. How many of you have been here every weeknight service so far? That's all of you. You got one more to go. Don't miss it. The book of 2 Samuel, chapter 23, please. Beginning in verse 14. And David was in an old, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof but poured it out unto the Lord and said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. Lord, as best I know, I'm at the place in your word where you want me to be tonight. Thank you for this great church. For my good friend, Brother Monty, the wonderful work that's being done here at Faith Baptist. And I'd sure like to be a help to these good people. But I can no more help them than you help me. So please, Spirit of God, empower me and direct me to say all and only the things that you want said. And I pray again, Lord, that you'd bind Satan and all those fallen angels that do his bidding that they would fail in their effort to snatch the seed of your word away from the soil of our hearts. Help us to be willing, good, eager recipients of what you have for us. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you ever have something that you really, really liked, but you could only get it one place? Every year I take my wife to Shipjoana. We go to the flea market. Sometimes we'll see one of the plays that they have there based on those Amish books. And my friend from LaGrange, Indiana, Jeff Farnham, kept telling me I needed to go to the Rise and Roll Bakery in Middlebury. Well, one year we went and we discovered my favorite donut. I wouldn't give you a dime for any donut at Dunkin'. Krispy Kreme, maybe. Dunkin' Donut, never. But they got a donut at Rise and Roll that's covered with caramel. And has white cream on the inside. Not that nasty Bavarian stuff. White cream. Wow. We literally buy them by the dozen. 
Did you know if you accidentally got part of that donut on your forehead, your tongue would slap your brains out trying to get it? This church has been very kind to me. Be gone by, beautiful room, great meals. But one of the most amazing things they did is they put me across the street from an outlet for rice and roll bakery. I was supposed to go on Wednesday, I'm staying till Saturday. <laughs> David felt that way about the water from the well of Bethlehem. It's where he grew up. It's the water he drank. It's the water he... It kept him alive. And tell him I said hello. Then... David thought no water was so sweet, no water was so satisfying, no water was so special as the water from the well of Bethlehem. I want you to notice the longing. We see David had a desire. Now, he's not asking anybody to help him. That's proven by the rest of the story. He's just thinking out loud. He's about 13 miles from the well of Bethlehem. And he says, man, I wish I could get a drink of that water. Best water in the world. No water so sweet, no water so satisfying, no water so special as the water from the well of Bethlehem. His desire. But there's a difficulty. As we look at the longing, David had a desire, but he had a difficulty. He was hiding in a cave, being chased by King Saul. He was injured by his companions. Now people argue about when the church started. Some say Pentecost, some say under the ministry of Jesus, some say John the Baptist, but it really started in the Old Testament. I'll prove it to you, Brother Monty. He said there went out with David. Everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented and everyone that was in distress. If that's not an independent fundamental Baptist church, you tell me what it is. The followers have no weapons, they have no military expertise, they're a motley bunch. Then they left David because they're already in debt. They went with David and left their homes because they're already in trouble and debt, in distress, discontented. And David has just received the news that the Amalek, the priest, because he gave David some bread to eat, has been killed by Doeg, the Edomite, on the orders of Saul, along with scores of other people. He's hiding in a cave, he's injured by his companions, and the well was held by conquerors. The Bible says, that there was a garrison, verse 12, of the Philistines then in Bethlehem. The longing. But notice the loving. There were three men there out of the hundreds of people that followed David. Four hundred at first, six hundred later. And they were attentive to his words. They heard what David said. He was just talking out loud. He didn't ask anybody to do anything for him. He was just expressing a desire that he had no intention of anybody trying to fulfill. They listened to him. 
No water so sweet, no water so satisfying, no water so special as the water from the well of Bethlehem. And then they acted on his wishes. Now, I want you to notice something. There were 400 men, people, that followed David. 30 of them are listed as mighty men. But three of them went to the well of Bethlehem to get him water. 400 stayed. 30 would stand for him. They were mighty, they'd fight, they'd do right, they, they were loyal. But three of them sacrificed him. They were attentive to his words. They acted on his wishes. They were aggressive in their work. Brother Paradoxica used to read this story. And imagine these three men sneaking out in the middle of the night and very quietly going up to the well and getting water and coming back. But that's not what it says. It says they break through the host of the Philistines. Now, they didn't have any weapons. Philistines did. They likely didn't have any armor. The Philistines did. They went 13 miles one way and then they broke through the enemy ranks and got water and carried it back 13 miles. Three would stay, 400 would stay with them. 30 would stand, three would sacrifice. In your family, I wonder where you fit. I think all of you stay, if you're here, you're trying to stay married, trying to stay faithful, trying to be a good Christian, trying to be, I think you're all in the 400. And I think there are many of you that stand. Now you try to do right, you read what the Bible says is the responsibility of a husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And then because men are stupid, God made it even more clear. So I men to love their wives as their own bodies and it makes this amazing statement for no man ever yet hated his own flesh. Every woman in this room, no matter how beautiful she is, looks in the mirror and says, oh no. This is too big, that's too small, this has got to be covered up, that's the wrong color. Every man in this room, no matter how old, ugly, fat, wrinkled, looks in the mirror and says, not bad. <laughs> That's why they sell makeup to women. Not because they need it, because they think they need it. No man ever yet hated his own body, but nourisheth and cherisheth it. If a man stubs his toe on the ottoman in the middle of the night, he didn't put his foot up on the ottoman and beat his toe to death and say, you stupid toe, that ottoman's been there for years. What do you mean running into it? Oh no, he hops around on one foot. He acts like his leg is broken. He wants you to call an ambulance. He needs 17 bags of ice. He'll be off work for three days. No man ever yet hated his own body. You're trying to stand. Children trying to obey their parents, parents trying to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Trying to make sure they know the word of God. By the way, this church will help you raise your children, but that's not their job. 
your Sunday school teachers will help train your children, but that's not their primary job. The primary job for training children belongs to mom and dad. I hope you have a time of family devotions. Our children were little. Sometimes it was a few minutes in the car on the way home from a late church service. Read a psalm, pray, sing a song. Sometimes we'd act out stories. But a wise man told me when I first started having children, your kids remember two things. The very special, unusual things you did and the things you did all the time. I wanted our children to know we read the Word of God all the time. We gave attention to God all the time. You're trying to stand. But can I suggest to you that there is another level you must reach for if you want to have a great family. If you want to be a really valuable member of the Faith Baptist Church, if you want to please God, that's the level of sacrifice. Running 13 miles, fighting through the enemy soldiers' garrison, grabbing some water, fighting your way out, going all the way back. Not because David asked for it, but because David desired it. A good follower knows the heart of their leader. You folks on staff here, you shouldn't have to be told everything to do. You should know what the preacher would want and do it without being told to. You should know how he wants certain situations handled, what kind of response he'd want to certain kinds of problems. How he'd like the building kept. And you ought to go out of your way to do it because that's his art. That's what these three men did. And I want you to notice this about the loving. They were attentive to his words. They acted on his wishes. They were aggressive in their work. But David was appreciative of their worth. They brought him that water. He didn't drink a drop. He could not believe they had done what they'd done. He said, these men put their lives in jeopardy just because of a whim, a wish, something I spoke out loud that I was thinking. And he took that water and he poured it out on the ground, not wastefully, not carelessly, but as a sacrifice. The Bible says, unto the Lord. You know, loving is not one-sided. When you serve God, God is very good to those who serve him. Brother Monty, you remember those people who used to go around the country giving testimonies? I could have been a professional football player. I could have been a wealthy businessman. I could have been a country singer. But I gave all that up to serve God. I knew one guy, he said he could have been all three. A country singing, football playing businessman. And we were supposed to go, wow, God really lucked out when you signed up, didn't he? Hey, I want to tell you something. I gave up nothing to serve God. God takes good care of his servants. God has been better to me than the world ever could have been, than the devil ever would have been. I gave him my old tattered garments. He gave me a robe, pure and white. I'm feasting on manna from heaven. That's why I'm happy tonight. 
It's a good deal to serve God. He loves us. He appreciates us. He takes good care of us. But my favorite question when I read the Bible is that two-word question, so what? Not who cares. But so, what does that mean? So, what am I supposed to do because of that? So, how should I live based on that? So, let me give you some lessons from this story. There is, number one, a lesson about serving. I will give you $100 tonight. I've got it. Stole it from my wife's purse just before I left. If you can definitively, from the word of God, tell me the names of those three men that ran to the well of Bethlehem. Well, Matthew Anderson, one was Abishai, one was Benaiah, and the third is unknown. Another commentator says one was Adino, one was uh, Eliezer, and one was Shema. Not even one overlapping name there. Here's the answer. The Bible doesn't tell us their names. You see, servants don't serve to get glory. They serve to give glory to God. They don't serve to make a name for themselves. They serve to uplift and make his name known. Uh, servants don't matter, but their service does. Servants don't matter, but the Savior does. Well, we had a wonderful church to do. My pastor was doing a great job. In our best year, we averaged 1,800 in attendance. Started with a little handful of people, 50. 20 on a Sunday night, 12 on a Wednesday night. Budget was 395 a week. I preached there in uh, March, and the February offerings averaged $200 a week. My salary when I went there was 115 bucks a week, and they were stretching to do that. People say, why did God bless? Why did that church grow so much? Why? The answer is, I don't know. God did it. But I'll tell you what. A part of the reason was we had people that were running to the well to get water, breaking through those to the scenes, giving generously, working diligently. Spending hours on bus routes and out soul winning and preparing for Sunday school lessons and discipling new believers. The greatness of a church will often be determined not by the 400 who stay or the 30 who stand, but by the three who sacrifice. My wife and I have been married be 51 years, June 9th. Got married when I was 20 and she was four. You'd love her if you could meet her. I have to be very careful where I might take her. Because once I take her someplace, I can never go back without her. They like her better than me, I understand. We were first married. She had a little bit of income. She would take the uh, receipts from a restaurant she used to work at. And she'd check them to make sure they're added up right. And on my first birthday after we married... She bought me in 1973, September, an electric typewriter. I have no idea how she got the money for it. 
There was a store down the road from us and it had something in it called a Pope's chair. Kind of looked like a big eggshell. Side inside had speakers in it. That was very unusual back in 1973. Our first anniversary in 1974, I bought that chair. My salary was under ten, actually $10 a week, excuse me. And uh, the chair was 300 bucks. I don't know how I saved it up. I don't, I don't know looking back how it was possible. But she liked the chair. She knew we couldn't afford it. She didn't think she'd get it. She didn't ask for it. But I wanted her to have it. You know, some of the greatest acts of service being done for our Lord and Savior are completely, totally unknown. There are probably ladies in this church and all the fixed income who eat modest meals and keep the heat down low and plan their driving very carefully to save money on gasoline because they want to give to the work of God and give to missions. Unless it's about service. Hey, you're the husband, you're the leader, and you know what the Bible says? By love, serve one another. Uh, when I'm home, I make the bed every day. It's not my job. I take out the trash, I make sure the grass is cut, I shovel the snow, I plow the driveway. My... <laughs> move them on ten acres, I cut down trees when they fall across our trails. That's my job. Not my job, but I do it. Why? I just want to be a blessing, be able to do something nice. Lesson about servants, a lesson about sacrificing. Sacrifice is usually not commanded. You are commanded to give God one dime out of every dollar of your gross income to Him through this local church. That's it. Tithe, you pay your tithe, but then we give offerings above that. You know what your offering is? Whatever you choose. Every man, as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Children of Israel gave an offering to build the tabernacle of free will. Just give whatever you want. Sacrificing is not usually commanded. Many years ago, when our daughter Katie was in the second grade and our daughter Carissa was in the seventh grade, we started Faith Promise Missions and giving at our church. Katie said, well, I'm going to give $5 a week. Now, our daughters did not get an allowance, but I gave them $5 every time I was away overnight, which was most weeks. So Katie was getting, giving, if she gave that, all of her money my wife said, Katie, you don't have to do that. But if you write down, you're going to do it. You have to keep it. Katie said, all right. And she said to Carissa, what are you going to give? Carissa said, I don't know. Well, I'm giving $5, Carissa. What are you getting? I don't know. Well, I'm giving $5. What are you going to give? I don't know. The Lord hasn't spoken to me. He didn't speak to me either. I just wrote down $5. Don't have to be spoken to. You just have to know what God would like, what would please him, what his heart is, what his desire would be. You just have to know what your husband would like.
what your wife would like. And my mother was a good, hardworking woman, generous and, and very stubborn. She was German. Her name was Bach, B-O-C-K, Edmund B-O-K. My great-great-grandfather was a brewmeister in Germany, made Bach beer. And the German method of cooking in those days was to virtually obliterate the food. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. I did not know till I'd been married for years that vegetables could be crisp. Cauliflower, my mother made it disintegrate into a thousand pieces as soon as you put it in your mouth. Limp broccoli. Nasty stuff. And when my mother cooked a piece of steak, you could sew it on your shoe and wear it for six months. My dad liked his meat more rare, medium, medium rare. And my mother would never do it. That's just not the right way to cook meat. And I remember my dad shoving a piece of meat aside and saying, it's a shame to ruin a good piece of meat like that. You know what my mother's trouble was? She thought she knew better. Maybe she did. Maybe we'll get them and find out she was right. But in the meantime, her job was to do what her husband wanted. Your job is to encourage and please and bless your spouse and not only do what is commanded and required. Lesson about sacrifice, it's not usually commanded. But it always costs something. When Katie was in the sixth grade and Carissa was in the eleventh grade, we took a mission trip to Grenada, just our family. Preached for Brother Dennis Celestine, a native, starting churches all around the island. And we lived in their home, ate the food that they ate, very kind. They had two sons, Dwight and Dwayne, about Katie's age. And Katie had just been given a brand new Nintendo Game Boy. It was the first handheld video game. You could take it anywhere. Ran on batteries, put in different little games along the way. She loved it. It was her most favorite possession. Dwight and Dwayne loved it. They played with it all the time. While we were there, the Celestine said he wanted to start an orphanage. Carissa was in the 11th grade. She said, Mom and Dad, could I just stay here and work in the orphanage? I'd miss my friends, but I'd be okay. Nobody said she should do that. She didn't do that. It wasn't the will of God for her to do that. But I loved her hard. Willing to stay in a place she'd never been before to help somebody. To serve God. The last day, Katie called her mother and I into a little room where she was staying. She said, Mom and Dad, would it be okay if I gave Dwight and Dwayne my Game Boy? Her most valuable possession. Coolest thing there was to have for a kid her age. And we said, sure. Sacrifice, not usually commanded, but always caused something. If it's easy, if it's simple, if it's frivolous, 
doesn't mean so much to God or the person you're trying to help and be a blessing to. And then finally, I want you to see a lesson about the Savior. David in the Bible is in many ways an example of the Lord Jesus Christ. David is not the king of Israel now. He is a fugitive. He is a nomad. He's running. He's being chased by 3,000 soldiers of King Saul. He doesn't have anything to offer his followers. He can give them no titles, no lands, no gifts of money. He doesn't have any of that. But they love him and they follow him and three of them were willing to run to the well, fight through the enemy soldiers and get him some water. <laughs> that he really liked. You know, 75 years ago it was pretty easy to be a fundamental Christian, Bible-believing Christian. H.L. Mencken said about 1930, if you took a train across the country and threw an egg out the window any place you want to, you're likely to hit a fundamentalist. Not now. Now, what we believe is despised. The Bible that we hold to is scorned. The Savior that we love is mocked. And I want to tell you something. We don't sacrifice much. It doesn't cost us much. But I'm glad I can serve the Lord Jesus at a time when it costs a little bit, when it's a little bit unpopular, when he's not in the eyes of the world sitting on his throne. A lesson about the Savior. Could I tell you about another well? In Bethlehem, it was dug in darkness. It was located in a lonely place and operated in its early days in obscurity. It was not placed in a field but in a feeding trough. It was not surrounded by masonry but set in the middle of a manger. It's a well of water springing up into eternal life. The spirit and the bride say, come, let him that earth say, come and drink of the water of life freely. In the name of this well is Jesus, the water of life. And can I say, no water is so sweet and no water is so satisfying and no water is so sacred and no water is so special as the water from the well of Bethlehem. Aren't you glad you get to know him? Aren't you glad you get to serve him? Aren't you glad? You get to stand up for him. Father, guide me as I extend the invitation. Speak to our hearts, please. Our heads are bowed. Nobody's looking around. Eyes closed, please. So which group are you in? I'm sure you're in the 400 that stay. I guess a good percentage of us are in the 30 that would stand. God doesn't command it. He leaves it up to us. 
The best gifts are not orchestrated. They're not commanded, they're not required, they're given out of hearts of love. I wonder who would say, Brother Lad, I'm not perfect. I certainly have room to grow and improve, but I think as I listen to the message and I'm open to the Spirit of God speaking to me, I think he would say I'm in the three that sacrifice. I think I'm in that group. If you think you are, we just look around up. I'm sure there are people like that. I believe there are people like that in this room. Thank you. So if you're not in that group, you're in one of the other two groups, those that stand or those that stay. But I wonder, I wonder if in relation to your family, in relation to your church, in relation to your walk with your God, if it wouldn't be time to move out of the group that would stay or the group that would stand and into the group that would sacrifice. I wonder if you'd say, Brother Willett, the Spirit of God has spoken to my heart. I want to be, by His grace, one of those that runs to the well for water, not because it's required, not because it's commanded, but because I know it pleases my King. I'm not there. But by the grace of God, I'd like to begin the journey from where I am to where God wants me to be. You pray with me about that. All of you say that. Would you hold your hand up high? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Now, would you do something a little different? I think it's good to develop the habit of immediate obedience to the Spirit of God. I was in a bowling alley with my dad years ago, mentioned an evangelist in our church I was going to take an offering for. He said, is he having a tough time? I said, well, yeah. Dad reached in his wallet. Dad had very little money at that time. Had a folded up $50 bill he kept for emergencies. And he said, here, give him this. I said, Dad, you don't have to do that. We're going to take an offering for him. And he said, I'll never forget it. I've learned if I do not obey the promptings of the Spirit of God immediately, I will talk myself out of them after a while. So if you raise the hand, would you do something a little different? Would you right now stand up, come out of your seat, Find a place at this altar to do business with God. He spoke in your heart. Now you act obediently. It'll tell you to be all right. God bless you. 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 Just come ahead. It's a little different, but it'll be okay. Good to be in the 400 that stay. Better to be in the 30 that stand. Best to be one of the three that would sacrifice and listen. Father, thanks for these who are coming up. Others to join them and act obediently to your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with your heads bowed, nice clothes, the music plays. Join these folks at the altar. Do what God wants you to do.